This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by The Jesus Music, the new documentary from Lionsgate and the creators of I Can Only Imagine, featuring interviews with many artists from contemporary Christian music. The Jesus Music, only in theaters. More information is available at thejesusmusic.movie. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another broadcast. Great to have you with us. We have so much to get through this hour, so I hope you're going to stay tuned. We have an awful lot to catch up on. So much has been going on. Sometimes I think I need to go back to three hours, maybe a six-hour show, eight hours. But, you know, even if you have eight hours to go through all of the news, you're still not going to be able to tackle everything. So you just do what you can do. Let's start out with this outrageous development involving Attorney General Merrick Garland. Can you believe this? Nothing is shocking us really anymore because Big Brother is showing his cards more and more and more boldly. But Merrick Garland, the Attorney General of the United States, put out this official memo pledging to mobilize the FBI against parents who are out there protesting critical race theory in public schools, and all because there's some kind of unspecified threat of violence being offered against school officials. Now, thanks to some of the smart reporters out there digging into this, it's become quite obvious and evident that there's no domestic terrorist threat from parents who say, we don't want you teaching critical race theory to our kids. But what happens is you have the teachers unions and these leftist activists in the education sector who don't, who don't like parents getting involved in their kids' lives. Who do you think you are just because you gave birth to that kid, just because that kid is yours and your wife gave birth to your kid, doesn't mean that you should have any kind of say over that kid's education. We're here to turn your kids into good little Soviets. I mean, good little global citizens. I mean, good little Americans. It, it, it's astounding what's going on. Christopher Rufo, who has done a great job exposing critical race theory in all kinds of pockets of society, has done a good piece on this over at uh, the City Journal, and you should check it out. Biden criminalizes CRT dissent. But he talks about the memo that Garland has put out, which follows a National School Boards Association request the request that the Biden administration investigate threats to school board members and classify sometimes heated parent protests as domestic terrorism. The NSBA suggested that some of these parents should be prosecuted under the Patriot Act and federal hate crimes legislation. Now, this kind of goes along, doesn't it, with what the Biden administration has been doing for quite a while and the left has been doing for quite a while, where they're trying to paint perfectly decent, normal, patriotic American people as extremists and domestic terrorists. I mean, somebody was pointing out yesterday that here we have the Arlington, Texas school shooter released on bond after shooting five people, I believe it was, at this high school. But the political prisoners, some of whom were just trespassing, and I'm not saying they should have done it at the January 6th Trump rally in Washington, D.C., are still languishing in jail. So you can go and you can shoot five people and you can walk the streets the next day if you can postpone. But apparently the trespassers on the right are just so darn dangerous that we don't dare let them out of prison because, well, just because. It's incredible. 
The school board association letter, Rufo points out, is riddled with falsehoods, errors, and exaggerations. It begins with the claim that critical race theory is not taught in public schools. <laughs> okay, who are you going to believe, the CRT activists or your lying eyes? Despite a vast body of evidence that it is being taught in public schools, it's widespread in public schools. Even the National Teachers Union has admitted as much and called for CRT's implementation in all 50 states. The NSBA deliberately misrepresents debates at school board meetings as threats and sometimes vociferous and angry speech as violence. The letter refers to dozens of news stories alluding to disruption, shouts, arguments and mobs. But contrary to its core claim, cites only a single example of actual violence against a school official. A case of aggravated battery in Illinois, which is obviously condemnable, but hardly the, hardly the justification for a national domestic terrorism investigation. These people are scary. They're really scary and they're not backing down. And it doesn't seem as if they really care what you think, even though you have numbers showing that an overwhelming number of people in every race don't want critical race theory taught in the public schools. They don't care. They have an agenda to implement. They want your children sit down and be quiet or we are going to go after you as domestic terrorists. This is America, folks. This is 2021 America. Now, I want you to listen to some of the comments from Asra Nomani. She's with the group Parents Defending Education. She's a mom in Virginia, and she reacted on Fox to Attorney General Merrick Garland's memo on these threats against school officials interviewed with Brian Kilmeade. Listen to this. Cut one. It's outrageous what the federal government is doing now. We have parents right now waking up from sea to shining sea to bring their children to school, to urge them into the day. And what has happened now is that the federal government and the National School Board Association has declared a war on parents. All we have done over the past year is stand up and speak up for children. It's unconscionable that the Federal Bureau of Investigation should even spend a minute thinking about us. We all reject violence and all we want is to protect our kids because we are parents. We are mama bears and papa bears. We are not domestic terrorists and the government needs to get us Uh, and working with them and they need to listen to us. They need to stop demonizing us. Well, obviously, and I get a little weary. I don't know if you feel this way as well. I get a little weary when perfectly decent people who are being demonized feel it necessary to point out the obvious. You know, you see these interviews sometimes and I'm not criticizing Asra Nomani. I think she's awesome. I'm not criticizing her at all, but it reminds me of a lot of these interviews that sometimes are conducted in which a perfectly decent person who has no reason to be defensive says things like, well, we all condemn violence or yes, we all condemn racism. Like you have to give a little to the left so we can all reason together. These people are not reasonable. They're not going to reason with you. They want to run you over with a steamroller and you can't treat people like that. I'm not saying that you should do the opposite and go to the other extreme and say, oh, yeah, we're all in favor of violence. Of course we're not. But the problem is we keep we keep acting as if we can have some kind of intelligent, reasonable discussion with these radicals. And you can't. 
You can't do that. You just have to fight back. And God bless all those parents who are showing up to those school board meetings and holding these people accountable. These people are elected on the local level to represent the oversight of your school district and your individual schools. And if you don't like it as a taxpayer, you show up and you tell them so. And you don't need the FBI stepping in. And for another point, National Review actually did a very good piece on this. They pointed out that the FBI doesn't even have any real, or I should say the federal government doesn't really have jurisdiction to come in and do anything. And so they talk about in this memo, partnering with local authorities and tribal authorities. Well, partnering because they can't come in and do anything. It's not their jurisdiction. It's just a strong arm tactic. It's a way to scare people. Now, here's what's really interesting about this is where it gets interesting, because the National School Boards Association says, as we know, that CRT is not being taught in public schools. Here is Asra Nomani from Parents Defending Education, not only refuting that, but exposing a little bit of interesting information about Merrick Garland. This is cut two. Critical race theory is absolutely taught in public schools. We have a multi-million dollar industry right now that is profiting off of our children. And the one newsflash that parents need to know is that in the summer of 2018, our U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland was at his daughter's wedding and she married a man who is a co-founder of a company, Panorama Education, that is right now data mining children. I spoke to our Fairfax County School Board because they just signed a $2 million contract with his son-in-law's company. Well, that's a little bit interesting, isn't it? A little bit interesting. Merrick Garland's daughter, Rebecca Garland, is married to Zan Tanner, the co-founder of Panorama Education. This is a controversial education service company, and it is the social learning resource material provider to school districts and teachers who actually teach critical race theory. This is via Conservative Treehouse. Conflict of interest much, they ask? You got to dig into these people. There's almost always some evidence of a personal connection or a personal issue that these politicians or bureaucrats have to go after people they don't like. It is not good. We'll come back to it. Stay with us. You're listening to Janet Meffer today. This is Janet Mafford for Bible League International. Jaime is an itinerant pastor in Ecuador. In Latin America, there, there are violence. Pastors and Christian workers uh, face with attackers, thieves, gangs. So that's the, that's the problem. Jaime will travel days by foot, boat, and mule. He's been beaten by warlocks, robbed, and suffered broken bones after falling in the Andes Mountains. What awaits him at the end of each trip? A thriving congregation of hundreds of believers in an area where Christianity is fiercely opposed. When I share Jaime's story, I recall Isaiah 6, 8. Whom shall I send? Who will go? I believe this man is enduring more than some pastors ever will. And like others in the world where Bibles are desperately needed, Jaime is humbly asking us to send God's word. For only $5, you can send a Bible to Latin America and around the world, and a special match will double your gift. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or there's a Bible League banner at JanetMefford.com. Ask yourself, what do you pay for health care? Are you single? Do you pay more than $199 a month? 
Are you a couple? Do you pay more than $299 a month? Do you have a family? Do you pay more than $399 a month? Yes, you can serve the entire family with health care for only $399 a month with Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance. So your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals. Sign up at any time of the year. Pick your own doctor and hospital. Find out more at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. Or call now, 855-565-2561. That's 855-565-2561 or libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Well, we were talking earlier about the fact that you have Merrick Garland, who was once laughably promoted as some kind of moderate for the Supreme Court. Remember when Barack Obama wanted to put him on the Supreme Court? Oh, he's a moderate. Oh, what do you mean I can't put him on the Supreme Court, even though I'm about to leave office? What are you talking about, these horrible, horrible Republicans? Can you imagine if this guy were on the Supreme Court? Unbelievable. But it's worse, maybe, in some ways, because he's the attorney general. You know, Eric Holder, I think back to Eric Holder, and I remember thinking at the time with Eric Holder, how could you get a worse human being in this position? I don't know. Merrick Garland's kind of creeping up on him. We'll see how he does. This is just incredible. Coming after parents and weaponizing the FBI, so to speak, or at least marshalling the forces and the scare tactics of the FBI to intimidate parents who want to stand up against the teaching of critical race theory in our public schools. Now, I was playing for you a cut from Asra Nomani. She is from Parents Defending Education. She's a mom from Virginia, has been fighting all of this stuff. And she was pointing out in a recent Fox interview that the National School Boards Association, which came to the federal government and had them do this because they were trying to paint the parents as domestic terrorists of some type, even though there's no evidence to back that up. There was one situation in Illinois, but there's no widespread problem of parents threatening and committing violence to school board members. It's not true. Pretty much like everything else the left tells you on a daily basis. Just assume it's a lie until they can prove it to you. You know, they should be guilty until proven innocent, given all of the lies and lies and lies and lies that they tell on a daily basis. These people are almost incapable of telling the truth because they have a very naked agenda on what they want to do to this country, which is dismantle it. So in order to dismantle a country and not have 330 million people go nuts, you have to keep lying. And you have to assume that there are enough people among those 330 million people who don't do enough reading or research in order to push back against it and say, hey, wait a minute, I think you're lying to me. Now, Asra Namani had mentioned the fact that Merrick Garland has this incredible conflict of interest. His daughter is married to the co-founder of an education company that is selling critical race theory resource material to school districts. Do you think there's some kind of a problem here. J.D. Vance, I know, who is trying to seek a seat in Congress, has already called for the resignation of Merrick Garland. We'll see what comes of that. Nothing. But, you know, God bless him for trying. But it also is very important. She pointed out that this group, Panorama Education, is doing data mining of children. Now, Brian Kilmeade followed up on that in this clip. Listen to cut three. While we're watching Facebook under fire, 
Mark Zuckerberg has invested in this company, Panorama Education, that does surveys of children, asking them questions like, do you consider yourself gender fluid? Do you, are you comfortable talking about race? And they are then compiling all of this information into a database. And they have millions of children's information now. And what they are doing is they are now coming up with their mental health programs for our children because these organizations have decided that they can profit off of the backs of our wow. kids. And all of that information is now going into the hands of big tech. And so while we're paying attention to Facebook and Instagram, they have this side business going on that is another vertical in their growth industry. And this is what something that you know, unfortunately, okay. the politicians that are we'll school you, board members are well, contributing to. We'll Absolutely incredible. This should not be allowed to go on in the United States of America. And I want to go back to what National Review wrote in its op-ed uh, editorial, really, I should say, about the DOJ's appalling crackdown on parents. They point out that the Department of Justice has no business even thinking of involving itself in the give and take between parents and school administrators. Questions related to pedagogy and the contents of K-12 curricula are the quintessential domain of state and local governance and legitimately a matter of robust democratic debate. Well, these people aren't into debate. You do what they say or they will crush you, crush dissent. They will censor you. They will throw you off the Internet. And who knows what else? They go on to say it was interesting to see the Justice Department suddenly bestirred over threats, harassment and intimidation of public servants on the same day that the president opined that such acts were part of the process, quote unquote, part of the process when radical progressives employ them against a Democratic senator seen as blocking the administration's proposed $3.5 trillion ghastly spendathon, Kirsten Cinema. Nevertheless, as Garland is well aware, having been a longtime DOJ official and federal appellate judge, the First Amendment leaves little room for law enforcement action against speech, particularly action by the federal government. Treating domestic political opposition as a proper subject for FBI investigation has a long history famously including surveillance of Martin Luther King Jr., a figure so dangerous he's now honored with a national holiday. Under Supreme Court precedents and statutory law, there is no criminal incitement absent unambiguous calls for the use of force under circumstances not just where the intent of the speaker to provoke violence is clear, but also where the danger of violence is real and imminent. Importantly, even that is not sufficient for federal Law enforcement. Under Congress's incitement statute, there is no crime unless the use of force the speaker urges would be a violation of federal law. The Justice Department and the FBI have no general national police power. Threats to do harm to others within a state, including threats against state and municipal officials, are reprehensible. They may well amount to state crimes. Garland's memo nowhere suggests that state law enforcement is inadequate, much less lays out a theory under which the federal government is empowered to act. So there you have it. It's, it, it's an intimidation factor. Hey, my son-in-law is going to lose bucks if these parents prevail. He needs the money. Come on, he needs the money. Zuckerberg gave him a lot of money and they're doing data mining of these kids. We can't have these parents interfering in our data mining operation. They want your kids. Plain and simple, they want your kids. Now, speaking of lying, I'm going to do a little bit of a pivot here to another big story that's going on. Good old Project Veritas, God bless them, doing the Lord's work. 
concerning investigative journalism. The latest involves Pfizer. They've had a couple of recent stories. Going back a few days ago, we had a Pfizer scientist that they filmed in an undercover film, a little you know video clip that they got saying when somebody is naturally immune, like they got COVID, they probably have more antibodies against the virus. When you actually get the virus, you're going to start producing antibodies against multiple pieces of the virus. So your antibodies are probably better at that point than the COVID vaccination. Hmm. They have another one. Pfizer senior associate scientist Chris Crotchy, who says you're protected for longer if you have natural COVID antibodies compared to the COVID vaccine. He went on to say, I work for an evil corporation. Our organization is run on COVID money. Okay, that was the first story. Here's the latest story. This is a very important story because it involves what they're hiding. There is a whistleblower who has come forward, a Pfizer insider by the name of Melissa Strickler, and she leaked internal emails showing corporate executives telling staff to be secretive about the use of human fetal tissue in laboratory testing of the COVID vaccine. Now, that is interesting in and of itself and horrible in and of itself. But think about the impact that this will now have on people whose religious exemption requests are being refused. There's no religion. Oh, okay. Well, you're going to ask me to participate in a vaccine that involved the tissue of aborted babies? No, the government cannot tell you to do that. So I want you to listen to some of this interview between James O'Keefe, the founder of Project Veritas, and this Pfizer insider, Melissa Strickler. This is a little bit of it. This is cut for. I work at a pharmaceutical company. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I just believe in research and science. In this database, you came across a chain of emails discussing fetal tissue and the COVID vaccine. Vanessa Gelman, who works in Washington, D.C., is senior director of Worldwide Research. The question came up as an inquiry to our MedInfo group. They're asking, quote, did Pfizer make use of a cell line from an aborted fetus? They want you to leave out the highlighted part, which is the one or more cell lines with an origin that can be traced back to human fetal tissue has been used in laboratory tests associated with the vaccine program. And here we have your badge. You are an employee of Pfizer? I work at the McPherson, Kansas plant. Um, It's one of the biggest plants in the operation of Pfizer. We produce some of the most units. This message from Vanessa Gilman. From the perspective of corporate affairs, we want to avoid having the information on the fetal cell lines floating out there. We believe that the risk of communicating this right now outweighs any potential benefit that we could see, particularly with general members of the public who may take this information and use it in ways we may not want it out there. We have not received any questions from policymakers or media on this issue in the last few weeks, so we want to avoid raising this if possible. All right, then James O'Keefe reacts. This is cut five. Wow, we believe that the risk of communicating this right now outweighs any potential benefit we could see. They ought to put that on American currency. Philip Dormitzer, Vice President, Chief Scientific Officer. These are not low-level people here. So you're showing us emails between the Vice President of Pfizer, the Senior Director of Worldwide Research, mm-hmm. about how to couch it a certain way because we would not want to tell the people that it can be traced back to human fetal tissue. Copying Vanessa Gelman, we have an approved answer to this question, the question being about fetal tissue, mm-hmm. which Vanessa can probably provide, H-E-K-2932. What does that mean, heck? Uh, human embryo kidney cells, and okay. it was from experiment 293. They've used cells from aborted fetuses. Yes. And they don't cells. want the public to know that. Yes. 
Incredible. Project Veritas also has in here from Philip Dormitzer, who's the Pfizer chief scientific officer, that these cells just mentioned, the human embryo kidney cells used are ultimately derived from an aborted fetus. On the other hand, the Vatican Doctrinal Committee has confirmed that they consider it acceptable for pro-life believers to be immunized. Pfizer's official statement couches the answer well and is what should be provided in response to an outside inquiry. Are you tired of the cover-ups? Are you tired of people censoring you online just for asking questions? Well, you ought to be tired of it. You're an American, you're a thinking adult, and you should be able to ask questions and in a sane world, get straight answers. And it's a shame that you have to have whistleblowers, but God bless them. There's more to come. Stay with us. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by The Jesus Music, the new documentary from Lionsgate and the creators of I Can Only Imagine, featuring interviews with many artists from contemporary Christian music. The Jesus Music, only in theaters. More information is available at thejesusmusic.movie. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Well, we now have a Pfizer whistleblower saying the company tried to hide the fact that aborted fetal tissue was used in the development of its COVID-19 vaccine. That's going to bother an awful lot of pro-lifers and an awful lot of Christians who are saying, hey, I want a religious exemption to this vaccine and in many cases are being rejected and helped along by some, well... How should we characterize them? Some Russell Moore types. There's no real religious exemption that is verifiable or warranted. It's not a religious thing to refuse the vaccine. Well, baloney. We blew that up a few days ago when we were giving all of the reasons that are absolutely straightforward and and reasonable for people to claim, not the least of which is the pro-life issue. I'm not going to participate in something where a baby had to die in order, you know, no, we're not going down that road. And I'm not trying to impugn you, by the way. I want to make sure I'm really fair about this. From the beginning of this entire scenario, I have always said, if you want to get the vaccine and if you believe you really need to take a vaccine, one of the vaccines, and that's up to you, which vaccine you want to take, then that's your decision. Everybody has a conscience. Everybody has their own health issues. And that's not for me to tell you what to do. You're free. And people who don't want to take the vaccine are also free, except when they're not. See videos about Australia. Now, along the lines of the discussion about the COVID-19 vaccine, and the entire pandemic and the Wuhan Institute of Virology and the gain of function research and everything that's been going on with Fauci comes the news that Francis Collins is going to be departing his position as the director of the National Institutes of Health. Now, you might know that name in another context. He's the guy behind the BioLogos Foundation and the whole theistic evolution movement. He's not the only one, but he's been pushing that through BioLogos for a long time. I think it's a very 
a bad organization because it undermines the Bible. And I don't believe that science, true science, and the facts that come from scientific inquiry are ever inconsistent with the word of God because God doesn't lie. And God obviously made all the creation. So we can discover what is true within the scientific realm because we're Christians and we are able to investigate and other people can investigate things as well. So here comes this news that Francis Collins is leaving. Now, Breitbart puts it this way. He announced his resignation just weeks after documents exposed that he made untruthful comments about U.S. federal funding of gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Uh-huh. Now, weeks before this announcement, Richard Ebright of Rutgers accused Collins of making false public statements about National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases grants to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which have since been proven to fund the study of chimeric SARS-related coronaviruses, which could infect human cells. Ebright said bluntly that Collins had not told the truth when asked about this research. Quote, assertions by the NIH director, Francis Collins, and the NIAID director, Anthony Fauci, that the NIH did not support gain-of-function research or potential pandemic pathogen enhancement at WIV are untruthful. In other words... They lied. That's what Rand Paul's been saying all along. Fauci lied. Okay? We know this. There ought to be full investigations into Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci. But Collins is leaving. Interesting timing, don't you think? Now, what I want to get into is a little bit more on Francis Collins because I think this is very important. You have people like David French calling him a national treasure. You have Russell Moore out on Twitter talking about what a gracious, grace-filled, awesome, you know, every superlative he could yank out of his knapsack and throw on Twitter. Oh, Francis Collins is the best. You know, okay, well, I guess it doesn't matter that he lied about gain-of-function research. We'll just overlook that. Yeah, it's a little, you know, pandemic at stake here. We don't have to investigate if there's any kind of involvement in the fact that this grant that ended up going into the creation of coronaviruses uh, had anything to do with a coronavirus that might have escaped from the lab. You know, this is kind of a big thing that maybe we should look into. No, he's a national treasure. Do you understand? He's a national treasure. Now, John West has a really good piece. John West from the Discovery Institute. And I want to get into this because it is awesome. First of all, there was a piece at the stream that he did. And this was on, well, this is at the end of September. Francis Collins's rhetoric about the unvaccinated is anything but Christian. I want to start here so I have somewhere to go because it's going to get worse, way worse when I tell you what else Francis Collins needs to be uh, lamented, well, let's say it, criticized for. Let's just say it that way. Francis Collins did an interview on MSNBC a few weeks ago with Chris Hayes, and they talked about vaccinations and the fact that unvaccinated people were selfish. And I just want you to listen to how this went. This is cut six. Ron DeSantis said something the other day that I felt um, encapsulated a line of thinking that has been Uh, consistent throughout and has really caused massive havoc in this country. And he said, look, if you get your decision about getting vaccinated doesn't affect me. It's basically like, what what do you care one way or the other? And obviously, I think you and, and the president and other people feel differently. Explain to me why this isn't simply an individual choice, like, you know, what T shirt you put on or, you know, what kind of music you like. Right. I'm glad to answer that. And, and th- again, this is a place where I think freedom 
has gotten misinterpreted. Freedom is about rights, but it's also about responsibilities. We have a free country where we take care of each other when our actions might hurt somebody else. If you're unvaccinated and you are therefore much more likely to get infected with Delta and be asymptomatic, quite likely for a couple of days, you are spreading that around to others around you, including kids under 12 who can't be vaccinated. So it's not just about you. For me, this is really an occasion to think about loving your neighbor, not just yourself. And that's what the president was trying to say. If we really want to get through this, we've got to figure out how those 80 million people who still haven't rolled up their sleeves can see this as an opportunity and a responsibility, not just about them. Well, no wonder he's friends with David French and Russell Moore. It's all the, uh, you need to love your neighbor. If you don't get the jab, you don't love your neighbor. Even though you have these people talking about how pro-life they are, Does it matter that Pfizer admits now that there's a connection here between their vaccine and aborted fetuses and human embryo kidney tissue? Does that bother? Would that change the game? Do you have to love your neighbor who's unvaccinated and maybe has a very good reason for not getting vaccinated? Maybe the person wants to wait a little longer as they're looking at the VAERS reports online with all of the injuries that are being reported and the deaths that are being reported or some of these statistics out of Israel and other places showing the number of people people who've had both of the jabs and are still hospitalized and still die. And maybe they're scratching their heads a little bit and going, wait a minute, if this is a vaccine, it's not working because a vaccine is supposed to inoculate you against said disease. And clearly the vaccine is not doing that. So then they pivot, even though they you know, touted it as this will solve it all. We just have to get to 70% herd immunity and all will be well. Well, that's not how it's gone. The vaccine is not a traditional vaccine. It's the mRNA technology is not a traditional vaccine. So then they pivot and they say, well, what it really does is it reduces how virulent the virus affects you. So you will be not as likely to go into the hospital. And if you're in the hospital, you won't stay as many days. Fantastic. It's not a vaccine. It's not a traditional vaccine. So here's Francis Collins. Look, you got to understand, people, your definition of freedom is misinterpreted. No, my definition of freedom is not misinterpreted. Your big brotherism is a big problem, bud. I don't mean to be disrespectful to the director of the NIH, but give me a break. My freedom is not misinterpreted. You don't have the right as a government bureaucrat to tell people that they have to get that vaccine that's new, that it hasn't even finished going through all of the necessary clinical trials, as many people in the scientific community have just have talked about, or the VAERS report, or these kids, these young teenage boys who are coming down with myocarditis, heart problems, heart inflammation. How many vaccines have we seen with this level of bad reactions that have stayed on the market? Why aren't some of these, they they removed the Johnson and Johnson, I know, because it was having some problems, but, you know, we're just being lied to. And when it comes to the pro-life issue, Francis Collins doesn't really have a leg to stand on. I'm going to tell you why when we come back. You're listening to Janet Mefford today.
If you're looking for adventure, serving as a volunteer on the Mercy Ship is an adventure like no other. And you'll be serving on the largest non-governmental hospital ship in the world, providing free care to some of the world's poorest people. Whether it's performing a surgery, cleaning the deck, or transporting a patient to a recovery center, every day you'll be making a difference in the lives of struggling people. Begin your adventure today. Connect with us at mercyships.org. It's an adventure of a lifetime. When this young mom came to a preborn center, she was planning to have an abortion. But after receiving love and support and meeting her baby on ultrasound, she chose life. When I walked in for the ultrasound and I saw my baby and I heard his heartbeat, my mind changed completely. I couldn't do that to my baby. I decided to keep it. Preborn partners with clinics in cities with the highest abortion rates in the country. Will you help preborn save these precious lives? When a mom in crisis sees her baby on ultrasound and hears the heartbeat, she's 80% more likely to choose life. And that's just the beginning of the story. I know that with support and with God by my side, I'll be able to do this, not just for me, but for my baby. For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds and help rescue five babies' lives. To donate, call 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. Or there's a pre-born banner to click at JanetMefford.com. From Lionsgate and the creators of I Can Only Imagine comes a new documentary, The Jesus Music. Jesus Music found its way in my hometown and it changed my life. I saw contemporary Christian music born right before my very eyes. I think music is the most powerful universal language in the world. Featuring interviews with many artists from contemporary Christian music, including Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, Toby Mack, and Kirk Franklin. The Jesus Music, now playing. More information is available at thejesusmusic.movie. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Well, God bless John West from the Discovery Institute. He wrote a good piece, really going after Francis Collins for trying to make you feel guilty. You're not loving your neighbor if you don't get the COVID vaccine. Oh, knock it off. You know what? I'm not part of your collective. I'm a free American citizen. My rights come from God, not from you, you bureaucrat, you resigning bureaucrat and hypocrite. I'm going to get to that in a moment. I want to play one more cut, though. This is Chris Hayes with the exiting Francis Collins, the guy who, according to Richard Ebright from Rutgers University, told untruths about funding the gain-of-function research of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. But listen to this cut. This is incredible. Cut seven. Yeah, you just mentioned children. I was looking at these statistics about children. I want to put them up because it's striking here. I mean, kids under 12 can't get vaccinated. Uh, and the vaccination rates in lots of the part of the country for teenagers is very is, is been quite low. And we're seeing this huge divergence. I mean, you know, when you talk about what the collective responsibility is, you know, in states that 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 are uh lightly vaccinated, uh, you see these huge spikes in hospitalizations. And that's hospitalizations both for adults and kids under 18. You see it there on the right of your screen. The 10 most vaccinated states, you basically see that flat line for kids under 18. I mean, there is a countable number of children placed into direct danger such that people's children are getting put in the hospital with this thing as a result of low vaccination rates. Well, indeed. And people are concerned about kids under 12 and actually asking FDA, would you please hurry up and approve vaccines for kids, which I know they are doing everything they can as soon as they get the data. But if you want the kids to be safe right now, the best way to do so is surround them by other vaccinated people. Their older siblings who are old enough to get the shot, their parents. And of course, if they're going to school, avoid them catching it from another kid in the classroom by wearing those masks. This all just makes such perfect sense. You know, Chris, 
this, it just breaks my heart that somehow something as simple as these public health measures we're talking about right now has turned into such a political fray. It's sort of found its way uh, into this dreadful circumstance we have of a culture war. And this culture war, in this case, is killing people. It's not just a philosophical, political argument. It's killing people, including, I'm sad to say, some children. We have to get past this if we really have a future as a nation. And history is going to look back on this. And maybe I would like to say, particularly to those leaders who are on the wrong side of this, what Lincoln said one time, citizens, we will not escape history. Do you want to be looked at in the lens of that backward look uh, 10 years from now and, and, and defend what you did when, in fact, we are losing tens of thousands of lives that didn't have to die? Oh, give me a break. I mean, I'm, I'm not happy about people dying. Certainly not. I don't mean it in that sense. But you have to surround kids with other vaccinated people or they'll die and you're killing them. How is that the case when you can clearly contract COVID-19 even if you're fully vaccinated? I mean, th- these people just talk nonsense. Wear the masks. That makes perfect sense. Really? Because the U.S. federal government is already on record and Fauci's on record as saying the masks don't do anything. These people don't tell the truth. What about the fact that you didn't tell the truth about the gain-of-function research that you funded at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and then you conveniently leave your post? I hope that's not going to make any difference as far as an investigation into what really went on. This pandemic that some people like to call it, maybe it was. I have no idea, but it needs to be investigated. Now, back to West's article. He's got another article from the Discovery Institute on evolutionnews.org, and you really need to read it. It's called The Appalling Moral Failure of Francis Collins. And he points out this stuff with the gain-of-function research, but then he mentions, in recent months, Collins's agency has become embroiled in controversies over its funding of stomach-churning medical experiments involving body parts harvested from aborted babies. The disclosures about the experiments followed Collins's repeal earlier this year of restrictions on the use of aborted fetal tissue in NIH-funded research. He's a national treasure, guys. He's a national treasure. David French said so. Would you doubt David French? Come on now. He's also the former head of the Human Genome Project, catapulted to fame in 2000 and talked about, you know, all these Christians praised him because he published this book called The Language of God, how he went from atheism to Christianity. Well, clearly not far enough, in my opinion, because if you're you're on board with funding this kind of research, I have no words for you. He got the Templeton Prize, by the way, too. So Collins's reputation is taking a beating not only because of the gain-of-function research, but also because of these NIH-funded experiments. Here's some more on that. In May, reports surfaced about macabre NIH-funded experiments that utilize body parts collected from aborted human fetuses to create humanized mouse and rodent models with full-thickness human skin. For the experiments, researchers at the University of Pittsburgh cut into tiny pieces human fetal spleen, thymus, and liver organs, and then transplanted the tissues and hematopoietic stem cells into irradiated mice. Okay, some big words there. Researchers also sliced off skin from the scalp of the aborted babies and then grafted the fetal skin onto the mice. In the words of the scientists, full thickness human fetal skin was processed via removal of excess fat tissues attached to the subcutaneous layer of the skin, then engrafted over the rib cage where the mouse skin was previously excised. I mean, this is the stuff of Nazis. The body parts used for these experiments were harvested from aborted human fetuses with a gestational age of 18 to 20 weeks. 
Think about you women who have been pregnant. 18 to 20 weeks. You're showing at 18 to 20 weeks. The baby has brain waves. The baby has a beating heart. The baby can hear sounds and move his limbs and eyes. His digestive system has started to work. It's utterly demonic. It's demonic. The human fetuses whose organs were harvested for this NIH-funded research were well-developed, tiny humans. An additional project funded by NIH came to light in August thanks to an FOI request by Judicial Watch and the Center for Medical Progress. That's David Delayden's group. It was filed after Collins's NIH dragged its feet in responding. The document showed that the NIH has provided nearly $3 million in tax money to support a fetal organ harvesting operation by the University of Pittsburgh in its quest to become a tissue hub for human fetal tissue ranging, ranging from 6 to 42 weeks gestation. 42 weeks, that's a post, I mean, that goes beyond 38 to 40 weeks, which is full term. When you give birth, 42 weeks is mom's really uncomfortable. She's ready to go and she's been ready for a couple of weeks. This is unbelievable. And this has been talked about. David Delayden said the, the grant application for just one of Pitt's numerous experiments with aborted infants reads like an episode of American Horror Story. Infants in the womb, some old enough to be viable, are being aborted alive and killed for organ harvesting in order to bring in millions of dollars in taxpayer funding. Oh, and by the way, it's not just human. It's not just human. It's not just research involving humans that has been raising controversy. In recent months, Collins's NIH has come under fire for funding abusive medical experiments on dogs as well. Because we, we just, we're not getting enough out of the babies. We've got to go after the animals too. Critics say it was unnecessary and barbaric. The experiments were funded by the NIH division headed up by Anthony Fauci. But of course, that division is under the ultimate oversight of guess who? Francis Collins. In late August, 15 members of Congress sent a letter raising questions about the research. John West said, I tried to get a response from Collins about this latest controversy, and he refused to respond to questions. Wonder why. While Collins is AWOL when it comes to answering basic questions about the research his agency is funding, he's more than willing to speak out on other topics, especially COVID-19, where he is now becoming a polarizing figure to many because of increasingly shrill advocacy of compulsory vaccination, as well as his demonization of those who choose not to take a COVID-19 vaccine. Yeah, you're selfish if you don't take a vaccine. You will be part of the collective. Do you understand? You're not an individual. You're part of the collective. Because if you're not part of the collective, you're not loving your neighbor. What's interesting in that scenario is how often they forget that we're their neighbor too. Do you have any responsibility, Francis Collins and fanboys of Francis Collins, to love your unvaccinated neighbors? I'm still trying to figure out how you're going to catch COVID-19 from an unvaccinated person who's not sick. That, That went out the window about a year ago. The whole idea of how do you quarantine people who aren't sick? They have no symptoms. Oh, because you can spread it asymptomatically. No, the chances of that are about one in a million. So that's off the table. That Nobody wants to look at that. Nobody wants to talk about natu- natural immunity, even though now you have Pfizer employees in undercover video admitting your natural immunity is a much better defense against COVID-19 than our vaccine. Don't ask questions. You are part of the collective. You will be assimilated. Beep, 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 beep. You will be assimilated. No, I'm not going to be assimilated. You know, this is what we need to understand as Christians. God has given us a mind. And when the Bible talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, don't forget the mind. We love the Lord in a very practical way. 
when we are good, critical thinkers. Come and reason. Isn't that what scripture says? Come and reason together. We cannot give over our minds to people who just want to utilize our minds for their evil aims. And I'm not about to surrender mine. Don't you surrender yours either. Surrender to Jesus Christ. That's the only surrender you ought to do. This hour, Janet Mefford today is brought to you in part by the new documentary, The Jesus Music from Lionsgate and the creators of I Can Only Imagine, featuring interviews with many artists from contemporary Christian music. The Jesus Music, only in theaters, now playing. Thank you for joining us on Janet Mefford today. We'll see you next time.